Well, today we're wrapping up our Holy Ghost um, sermon series, and we've been learning about the Holy Spirit, and we've learned about how the Spirit is at work, how it was at work in the early church, and especially how the Spirit is still alive and work in the church today and in our lives today as well. Today, we are talking about the Spirit of Fellowship. Now, you know, our culture, this culture that we live in, is a pretty individualistic culture, isn't it? It's pretty me first and everyone else second. That's the mentality that we have. We're encouraged to do whatever makes us happy. I mean, I think about it. A lot of neighborhoods, neighbors don't even know each other anymore. They pull into your driveway, the door comes down, and you go out back, and you never see anyone. And we embrace individual freedoms and decision-making that are, are our own and lift up our own interests over those of the group. But, you know, Christianity isn't that way at all. And Christianity does value the individual, of course, but it consistently calls us to put God first and other people second. Now, the church was established by Christ, with Christ at the head. And we, the people, are his body. And so we're a community that stands under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And tied up in all of this is the call to fellowship within the body of Christ. In Acts second chapter, verse 42, we read that one of the four things the early church devoted themselves to was fellowship. Fellowship was really important, an important part of the reason that they met together. Let's take a look at Acts 2, beginning in verse 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So immediately after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on that first Pentecost Sunday, Peter preached this sermon about how Jesus is the Christ and how everything that had happened had been a part of God's plan from the very beginning. And as a result of that sermon, that Peter preached, 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus Christ. And the very first thing those believers did under the direction of the Holy Spirit was to fellowship together. They didn't just have fellowship. They devoted themselves to fellowship. When I think about the word devote, when you devote yourself to something or to someone... It means you give everything, or at least the biggest part of, of what you are, who you, who you are, your time, your resources, to that thing or to that person. And you can absolutely see that without a doubt in Acts 2. 
They met together every day. They were taught by the apostles. They ate meals together. They prayed together. They sold property and they gave their money to anyone who had any need. I don't know about you, but that is devotion, isn't it? It's devoting everything. We can see from this very brief passage that there are four aspects to Christian fellowship. And these aspects of fellowship are relationship, partnership, companionship, and stewardship. Now, the relationship aspect is the part that describes what the church is, who the church is. We are a community of people who are bound together by our common life and the blessings that we share together because of our relationship with Christ. And the partnership aspect describes how we are related to each other in that relationship. You see, we are partners together in an enterprise and calling in which we work together with a common purpose to obtain common objectives for the glory of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Remember the outcome in Acts 2? They enjoyed the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, that is something that glorifies God and moves the gospel forward. Well, in Christian community, companionship includes communicating closely on a spiritual level through a mutual sharing of the things of Christ. Things like the word, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and the ministries and gifts of the various members in the body of Christ. Companionship includes both vertical and horizontal communications. Now, the vertical is our communion with God the Father, Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the horizontal is our communion in the fellowship with the body of Christ, with other believers. That happens through large groups and small groups and one-on-one meetings. And finally, the aspect of stewardship is also an important part, the fourth part of relationship. As stewards, we have to know that everything we have belongs to God and has been given to us just to hold in, in trust for God and to invest for God in his kingdom. As believers, we have to be willing to share our gifts, our talents, our time, our resources too, for the promotion of the gospel and to help other people who are in need. Good stewardship stems from recognizing our relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, but it also means recognizing our partnership in Christ's mission on earth. So we can plainly see the prominence of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And the living fellowship in the gospel of Christ is the result of this presence and power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of Christ's people. The disciples in the Jerusalem church are together in a wonderful oneness that's testified to in so many ways in the opening chapters of Acts. Their fellowship encompasses every single thing that they do. Now, in the Bible, the word for fellowship is the Greek word koinonia. And koinonia 
connotes a much deeper, a, a closer, a more unified idea than our word fellowship typically does. I mean, fellowship is usually thought of as a more surface level, um, friendly relationship, while koinonia is this full, intimate, real community. Koinonia is a shared community that involves deep, close-knit participation among its members. And in the Christian context, this means a holy, covenantal kind of fellowship. The book of Acts is the first place in all of Scripture where we see the word koinonia being used. And koinonia was created by the Spirit. You can see this right from our text this morning, that the apostles became filled with the Holy Spirit, and then they helped establish those very first Christian communities of believers. They shared not only the Spirit, but in all aspects of life together, as we've already learned. They shared meals, they, they shared homes, they shared money, they shared worship, they shared prayer, they shared, shared everything and held it in common. And then later, when the Gentiles began to come to faith in Jesus Christ, when they heard the good news and also became Christian, we see this same concept of koinonia used to include them, too, to make the circle wider. I mean, back then, Jews and Gentiles didn't have anything to do with each other. They didn't like each other. They couldn't really associate with each other. But Christ at work in them, through the power of the Holy Spirit, allowed these two separate groups to dissolve all the things that formerly kept them apart with boundaries. And they became one, true koinonia. Paul wrote to the early church in Ephesus that God had a secret plan, a, a mystery, if you will, a mystery of unity that went beyond just breaking down these cultural constraints. In Ephesians 3.6, he says, this mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. And koinonia was not just created by the Spirit. It is also sustained by the Spirit. In the early church, it was the, the Spirit that sustained those first Christian communities. It was the Spirit that kept them together, even helping them to grow in times of persecution and great difficulty. And that hasn't changed one bit, even down to our day and age. It is the Spirit that sustains us. It is the Spirit that sustains the church as a whole, even as the Holy Spirit sustains us as individuals. Recently, I was reading a, a morning devotion by uh, a man named Matt Ayers. Um, he said that the Holy Spirit is the orchestrator and ultimate source of daily refreshment and nourishment in our spiritual lives. You see, the reality is that we don't have to muster up on our own the strength to overcome every challenge and spiritual obstacle in our lives. Rather, we cooperate with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit's work, not ours, the work that he is already doing in us and through us. Romans 8 says, If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, 
He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of the spirit that lives in you. That's a good reminder, isn't it? We don't do this on our own. We do it in and through the power of the Holy Spirit. But more than just individuals, the Holy Spirit sustains the church. The church, which is the community of all believers. The Spirit sustains us as we meet together, whether it be in small Wesleyan bands of a few other people, or in a life group, or a prayer group, or even in the whole body of Christ. Here at Anderson Hills, there are so many ways that the Holy Spirit is sustaining through a wide variety of communal, fellowship, koinonia groups. And we are sustained by the Spirit. And as we are, it becomes natural for us to want to reach out and care for others as well. Here's a picture of Lizzie Durflinger. Man, she's everywhere this morning, isn't she? She's a co-host here this morning. She was awesome. And um, Lizzie is also really active in 4-H. This is a picture of her cow at the Clinton County Fair last year, as you can see. Well, I want to tell you another story about a girl and her 4-H cow. It's not Lizzie, but this, place t- this story takes place, and it's a true story, in a Midwestern farming community, a community that practiced Christian love and care. You see, that community, in that community lived a single mom and her freshman daughter. And they were really struggling, barely able to get by. And on top of struggling with just regular bills, the mom also had an illness, which caused a lot of medical bills to mount up on top of each other. The mother didn't have health insurance, and so, as you know, this caused a lot of trouble in keeping up with the bills. Well, the daughter was in 4-H, like Lizzie is, And she had raised a cow that year to show at the summer fair. And she was hoping to sell the cow at the fair and contribute the money to help pay some of the the bills that the family had. She led her cow into the ring on that first day, and it placed third in the 4-H fair's best-in-show competition. And the very next day, the cow came up for auction. Now, the town's business owners and other farmers, they had a plan to help this single mom and her daughter. You see, the cow was escorted into the ring by this girl so that it could be auctioned. And the bidding began, and the girl received a pretty fair price for this cow. But just when the auction was over, a voice rang out and said, let it go up for auction again. And the cow was auctioned a second time, and then a third, and a fourth, and a fifth, and before the day was over, that cow had been auctioned and sold 30 times. And every single one of those buyers refused to take the cow home with them, but gave it back to the family. And the money that was raised helped cover most of the mother's medical bills and other expenses. And the people that were there that day at that county fair said they felt the presence of God's Holy Spirit enabling divine compassion for this family that was in need. What an example of the body of Christ 
caring on behalf of Jesus Christ. The businessmen and the farmers in that Midwestern community were directed by the Spirit to help people around them. You see, the Spirit creates and it also sustains Christian fellowship. But it's all for the purpose of directing disciples of Jesus to go beyond themselves and others. A Spirit-filled Christian community is one that loves the community around it in both word and also in action. It has been another tragedy-filled week for our nation and our local community. And that comes on the heels of many tragedies in recent weeks. This week, as I was reading about what happened at Robb Elementary School in Texas and the top friendly market in Buffalo and at Geneva Presbyterian Church in California and even at the Walmart store right here in Fairfield, I was just so overwhelmed with sadness. I mean, sometimes I fear that I'm going to go numb to all these tragedies. We know that God gives free will to all sinners, including you and me. But these horrific acts of violence by evil men are just so especially infuriating. Sometimes I get so angry at the senselessness of it all, and I find myself asking, what can I do? I believe that righteous anger that moves a person to take positive action is a good thing. I believe it is meaningful to offer words of comfort, words of compassion, and words lifted to God in prayer. And I believe that when great injustices occur in our world, that we are called as Christians to put our words into action, to work for the eradication of injustice and a world where justice prevails for everyone. Will you take a minute to pray with me right now? Lord, in your mercy, hear our cries for the families crushed by the sorrow of the loss of their children and loved ones in the school shooting in Texas. Lord, have mercy on our nation that continues to deem this recurring murder of school children an acceptable price of freedom. Lord, heal our collective mind and help each one of us and our politicians to muster the integrity and courage to act so that we can stop this carnage and pain. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are many ways that the Holy Spirit directs the community of Christ to action in the world. But the Spirit always directs the community using the spiritual gifts that the Spirit has given to us. And one of the fullest expressions in Scripture of the spiritual gifts is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So let's check out these verses, beginning in verse 1. 
Paul says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. In another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts are one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all, we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, at least several spiritual gifts are given to every single believer, but no believer has all of the spiritual gifts. You see, they're meant to be used in concert together with one another. I use mine, you use yours, he uses his, she uses hers, and together we have all the spiritual gifts that the body of Christ needs to have. Mother Teresa said this. She says, what I can do, you cannot. What you can do, I cannot. But together, we can do something beautiful for God. You see, the purpose of the gifts and the purpose of fellowship is to glorify God and to expand the fellowship even more, to include those who are not already included until they are expanding the circle wider and wider and wider. One ministry where we've seen that working exceptionally well right here at Anderson Hills is the Embrace Grace ministry. To host their recent baby shower on May the 7th, it took lots of women using all of their gifts and talent and time and material possessions. They promoted the gospel and they helped women in need. It's this week's Holy Ghost story. Take a look. I have always had a passion for single moms in crisis pregnancies, um, and I never really knew what to do with that passion until someone introduced me to Embrace Grace. Embrace Grace is a support group for single moms in crisis pregnancies, and it's designed to help moms find a place of belonging within the church. 
Um, not only does it provide them with support from other moms in similar seasons of life, but Embrace Grace introduces girls to the gospel and the hope found in Jesus. And so when I was asked to help start this ministry at our church, even though I had a million other things going on, I was involved in so much, I had no margin in my life, and I was pregnant with our first child, it was something that I absolutely could not say no to. The Holy Spirit just pierced my heart, and it was one of those things that was just an immediate yes. When we first started our ministry, it was honestly really hard. We had a small team and we were trying to do everything by ourselves and we were going to pregnancy centers, we were trying to find the girls, we were trying to get our resources out there so we could get connected with people. And it was just a lot of work and seemingly no fruit. We tried to start the class twice and nobody showed up. Throughout that entire difficult season, we did have a prayer group praying for us the whole time. Lynn Durflinger led a group that faithfully met every week and that was such a blessing for us and now we get to see the fruit of their labor in prayer. In August of 2021, two years after the first time I heard about Embrace Grace, we started our first support group and had three beautiful mamas join us and it was awesome. It was still a lot of work and the three of us, me, Melody, and Sarah were at the edge of burnout by the end of it and we realized we need a bigger team if we're gonna make this work. So the three of us decided to put all of our effort into growing our team and in January we threw a share the love party and invited people out to come hear about Embrace Grace. And so many people showed up so excited to serve and from then on I've just been getting emails and calls like almost every week of more people wanting to get involved in some way or the other. Our team has grown from the three of us to a few more leaders to a team of 30, at least 30 people um, on different teams and committees um, taking care of all things Embrace Grace. We have a dinner team that is bringing dinner to our group every single week so the girls have a nice warm meal when they arrive. Um, that's been such a blessing. We have a hospitality team that helps to take care of the girls after they've had their baby. Uh, we still have Lynn Durflinger leading the prayer team that has now grown from um, an in-person meeting that meets every week to pray for the girls and also a virtual prayer team. Um, we also have Amy Cook doing all the pregnancy center relations with us. So all of our outreach, she's coordinating that. And um, we just threw an amazing baby shower. And this is the party of parties, you guys. It is like, we don't skip anything for this. We wanna shower these girls with so much love um, for them and their babies. And Michelle Trainer totally took over that for us, doing all the coordinating. She had her own team of volunteers. It was just a blast. And the girls felt so special, so loved, so showered uh, with God's love. And it was just an amazing way to celebrate them. There are so many other ways people have come alongside to serve, um, even just the congregation buying all the baby shower gifts so that we don't even have to worry about that. You guys have been so faithful to, um, to do that. Seeing how the Holy Spirit has invited other people into Embrace Grace has just made me so excited for what God has for the future of this ministry. Um, we couldn't do this without you guys, and I'm just beyond grateful for the work of the Holy Spirit in Embrace Grace. Um, the Lord has changed lives because there are so many aspects of it and people have taken over the planning parts and the behind the scenes parts. Me and my team are able to focus on the girls, meet with them for coffee during the week, disciple them, lead them to Christ, tell them about God's love. 
um, and just focus on our relationships with them. And in that, we've seen true fruit and true life change, uh, which is what this ministry is all about. So we couldn't do it without you guys, and we're so grateful. Isn't that amazing? Woo! What the Spirit's doing. I mean, you can clearly see, can't you, that those gifts don't operate in isolation, but they're interdependent. It took gifts of leadership and exhortation and intercessory prayer, hospitality, giving, faith, and evangelism, just to name a few. And many of you that have helped are right here in worship today. Thank you so much. We appreciate that. The church's role is to equip you to discover and deploy your gifts and your calling to glorify God, to edify others, and to bear much fruit for God's kingdom. So a huge thank you to everyone who used their gifts and continues to use their gifts. Maybe you're sitting here today and you think, I don't even know what my gifts are. We'd love to help you. Call the church office. We can help you discover what your spiritual gifts are and how you fit into the body of Christ. And if you're sitting here thinking today, I wish I was more connected in a group here at the church, a group that would provide me fellowship, koinonia, community. Again, we'd love to help you find your spot. Call the church office. My friends, Christian fellowship through the Spirit leads us to healthy Christian living and life. So let's embrace the gifts that the Spirit wants to give us. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks and praise for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Pour it out upon us more and more. Unite us in holy bonds that can never be broken. Lord, we want to glorify you and go out into all the world to make disciples of Jesus in so many different ways. Spirit, empower us to do just that. In Jesus' name, amen.